got some nice. It's a nice little uh, up and down there. I'm not hearing anything. Hello. Oh, God. Hello. <laughs> no, that's Aaron. Hello. Good people who have traveled from villages near and far, lend me your ears. Hello. Hello. Anybody home? What's up, Miss Tasty? What's up, what's up? Hi there, nice to see you. Bumblebee Tuna? Bumblebee Tuna! Hello, Westman Tooth. Hello, Evening News Team. You are now listening to another edition of the Nothing But Real Reviews and More podcast. Welcome to the Goody Room. But their ability to open is f***ing heroic. And now, with your permission, I'm going to do my stuff. What are you going to do? I'm going to do the best I can. Hello and welcome to our second review of the week. We've got a review of the movie Sunshine. We'll jump into that fairly quickly. With me today is John Lucas. It's his pick today. Say hi, John. What's up? We've got Matt McNeil back for his second podcast. What's up? What's up? We've got Steve Rushlaw here to review with us. How you doing? And myself, Aaron Kronikian. I'll be uh, trying not to sink the ship. (laughs) (laughs) So... We will start off, we're just going to skip past the DVD and theaters part. Uh, if you're interested in that, go listen to the entirety of Tuesday's podcast. Monday. Which you should be doing anyway. Monday's, Monday's podcast. podcast, yeah. So, we have none of that for you. We'll start with Gem of the Week. Iceberg. Iceberg, it's already down. <laughs> All right, Gem of the Week was my pick since I picked the movie for last week. Oh, Lord. I, yeah. <laughs> no, trust me. This is a movie probably me and me alone would enjoy. I know. But watch it because it's an interesting, weird, You're not different than anything else well. movie. Okay. <laughs> it is a movie called Lost River. I watched it on DVD just the other day. You guys will make fun of me, I'm sure. Written and directed by Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a silent movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, that's why it's got that same weird vibe that Drive has, but has dialogue. It was completely filmed on film, not nothing digital. There's a little bit of digital mixed in there at the end, he said. He said it was, so it's filmed with, using actual film, with nothing but natural lighting, which was fantastic. I loved how this movie looked. Is this his first? First and only. He, um. Probably a reason for that. (laughs) No, no, it just came out. It just came out recently. I think it'd be interesting to see, just to see his, uh, concepts on directing. So. Okay, so basically, I'll I'll read the synopsis. A single mother is swept into a dark underworld while her teenage son discovers a road that leads him to a secret underwater town. So it's got this weird kind of fantasy fairy tale feel to it. And the way this started is he was filming, uh, just go. he went to Detroit to kind of get on film these buildings that were going to be destroyed, like the, the building where the Three Stooges got their start, things like that, so... It's basically this run-down, torn-apart setting. And like I said, it's just got this weird, eerie feeling, like these weird It's visuals. not a very graphic-dependent movie, is it? No, nothing CGI. Nothing CGI. It's not like a... Good. No, no. it's... it's. Watch it. You may like it. You may not. I really, really liked it. Uh, unfortunately, I only got a 5.8 on IMDb. It's because he's in Well, it's got Ryan Gosling's Ryan Gosling is not in it. He... 
has nothing to do with it other than directing it and writing it. I mean, a 5.8 on IMDb, that doesn't mean a lot. Just because you look at it, they gave, what, Shawshank Redemption number one. What did we rate that last week? Pretty or close. <laughs> Pretty close to the yeah. same. It does have good actors in it. It's got Christina Hendricks. She was in Mad Men. She had a small part in Drive. Uh, it's got Ben Mendelsohn, who plays bit parts in a lot of movies and is very good in those movies. Uh, uh, Sayoris Ronan, I believe her name is. She's in. She was in a movie called Hannah. She was the lead role in that. She's we really actually, good. I love Hannah. We actually. I talk- love that movie too, and she's really good. In we, this one too. We talked about her earlier. She is nominated for an Oscar this year. Yes. So she is uh, one of the lead characters in this movie. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Uh, for the listeners, email your hatred toward me or your <laughs> thankfulness for me directing you toward it. Please send hate mail. He loves that. Yes. Lethargicmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how much you hate Aaron. Or just tweet it. I'll never see it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Mike will let me know. Shalee will let me know if you tweet it. Uh, okay, so that's that. That's the gem of the week, Lost River. Uh, the soundtrack, I have to mention the soundtrack, was great. This movie <laughs> was Was great. it 80s pop? <laughs> uh, it was kind of like synthy, weird, like I, like I mentioned before uh, off the podcast, when Ryan Gosling was telling him the vibe and the feel of the movie to his composer, the composer's reply was, okay, so you want dark Goonies, cool. And that's what it felt like, that kind of 80s adventure like on edge eerie type it's very good so go watch it so uh, like I said we're going to skip DVDs we're going to skip does this movie happen to be on Netflix it is not I looked on Netflix it's not on Netflix I don't know if it will be in the future I just got the DVD about a month ago it just came out not too long ago so from I don't know Nebraska Furniture Mart, Walmart, <laughs> Target, I'm not sure. <laughs> CD Trade Post, no, it wasn't Amazon, used, got so. it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's available. The DVD, Blu-ray is available. Uh, find it if you can. Uh, watch it. It's very interesting. So, it, if nobody else has anything, I guess we'll just jump right into this. We'll have a lot of time to review Sunshine. Uh, Johnny's pick. So, if you watch it and you hate it, blame him. But we'll get into... Oh, there's, there's no way you'll hate it. You'll just <laughs> moderately dislike it, probably. <laughs> All right, so Sunshine is a 2007 adventure sci-fi thriller. Um, keep in mind, sci-fi is mentioned second, not first. Um, IMDb gives it a 7.3. For Rotten Tomatoes, 76% of critics rated it fresh. 73% of users rated it fresh. Uh, directed by Danny Boyle, uh, probably most famous for 28 Days Later. He did Train Spotting. He did the 127 Hours, didn't he? He did 127 Hours. Yep, you're correct. Um, also The Beach, which the was beach a terrible movie. With, yes, with Leo, Leo DiCaprio. Leo. Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog, that one, I yeah. heard that was a great one. I've I never actually seen it, though. Nope. Uh, the writer, which was what really got me excited when Johnny mentioned this, is Alex Garland, who wrote, uh, two recent releases, Dread, which I loved. That's one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> and Ex Machina, which was f- above average. Ex Machina. I, I thought that Drake. was nominated for something on the Oscars this year. 
Uh, probably it probably technical stuff. It, yeah, it I think it was for a, I think it was technical like achievements, graphics or something. Uh, it's a big long list. I'll just get the, the uh, of actors in this. I'll touch the ones that you touch on. I won't touch them physically. <laughs> I'll touch on the ones you might know. Making mic jokes over here. <laughs> Cillian Murphy, who was in Twenty Eight Days Later with the same director, plays Robert Kappa, a physicist. Uh, Chris Evans plays Mace, who is far as I can tell, I'm not even sure what he like a mechanic engineer. I think he's more of an engineer. He was an astronaut. He's the bad boy. He's a spaceman. <laughs> um, Rose Byrne. Uh, she's becoming more and more of a household name. Uh, that's maybe all that you'll know by name. In, in all honesty, you're going to recognize them more by what they are because you know Kappa and then the rest of them are just uh, man one, man yep. two, space and, people. Yep, yeah, <laughs> female one. All right, so let's let's just jump right into it. Initial thoughts. Say a little bit about what you thought. I, I should let me read the synopsis before we do that. The quick synopsis says: A team of international astronauts is sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun with a nuclear fission bomb in 2057. So, uh, I don't claim to be a physicist or have much knowledge of. It's not how, how things works. work. That's <laughs> not how vision works. I have to imagine they had somebody to give them guidance. I, I don't know if this was a mistype on our part, but in all honesty, it would not be a fission bomb. It is a fission bomb. Really? Wait, what little understanding I have of how stars work, wouldn't the star expand and completely burn up the Earth before... Going away. Well, I, put that on I don't think they mention it, but in the fun facts we have here, it says the sun isn't dying in the normal sense. It's been infected with a cue ball, a supersymmetric nucleus that is disrupting the normal matter. It's a theoretical particle. The ship's bomb was meant to blast the cue ball to its constituent parts so it'll decay naturally. Okay, so that's not mentioned ever. Nope. No, it's, it's <laughs> not. Okay, so at least we know now that it's not completely... Well, like don't I they said, say in the movie outright that they're going to make a new star? Yeah, that's what they're, they're uh, creating a star inside of star. Yeah, I guess, essentially. Uh, Starception. I, th- I think Kappa says that he says he's going to make a new star out of a new star so it's brighter in the future. Anyway, science aside, let's get your initial thoughts on the movie as a whole. We'll start with Johnny. It was your movie. Tell us what you thought. Honestly, the first half of the movie is an am- is amazing, but like something around the right around the halfway part, it just takes a turn and become it's it's the first two thirds i looked at the time stamps the time marks it's the first two thirds and then the last third it takes just like a 90 degree turn (laughs) yeah it's it's it is like it doesn't even feel like the same movie it's it's a great movie visually and musically but it just takes this weird turn and we'll go into that later i completely agree with johnny like i started watching this movie and i was all about it and then things got weird um, and not just from a plot standpoint. <laughs> I almost made Johnny spit out his drink. Uh, are you all right there, Johnny? Just just the way you say, things got a little weird. <laughs> and then things well, got weird. Well, it did. Like Things got really weird. And not just from a plot standpoint. Like The, the uh, visuals got weird. The sound got weird. Like Everything just made a... It, it just got weird. I'm going to have to agree with these guys. Um two-thirds of the movie it started out well like johnny said it's very very nice pleasingly to watch um i thought some of the camera 
stuff they did when uh, Mark Strong's character came on was a little. I didn't. I just didn't like it. Um, and it just it's had a some typical space movie. What's the word I'm looking for? Tropes. Yeah, it just seemed like a typical space movie. All right. I will just quickly. I agree with everything you said. Uh, there were some other flaws. I did. I'm a sucker for space movies. So anytime you put a camera in, uh, obviously it's a real spaceship. When you put a camera in a spaceship, I'll watch it and love it no matter what. But there were some flaws with this movie for sure. So we'll get into it. Uh, Johnny, what's the first thing that sticks out for you? This is a movie you picked. I, I You said you hadn't seen it before this time? I saw it once like okay. when it first came out, but that was nearly a decade ago. So this, it, to me, it was almost rewatching it. Well, before it sounds like we may take a turn for bashing on this later. The, let's talk about what we like about the movie. What stood out as you said you thought it was a great movie in the first two thirds. What stood out? The way that I'm I'm, I'm going to try and get a little or sound a little philosophical here, but the way it really highlights, you know, humanity through the way the characters act. It just did a great job of personifying the basic emotions that you would see in any kind of person in this situation. Yeah, and this, I mean, obviously the journey from Earth to the sun is a long journey. They've been isolated with these six people for, uh, I believe it mentioned how many months, but I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I want to say it was something like three years wasn't it? I think they mentioned it, but I don't remember what it... Very long time. All I know is from Earth to Mars, it's nearly, what, nine months? So from Earth to the Sun would be much, much longer. So they've they've been together, just six people isolated on this spaceship. So, and that's one thing, you, like you said, the humanity. Uh, one thing I did notice is that it seems like all of them are kind of clinging to these little obsessions that keeps them sane <laughs> for a better yeah word. and it really shows how every person here is actually a human they're not you know perfect at what they do the mathematician isn't a perfect person the physicist isn't a person he's not an ace pilot there's everyone has their flaws and it it really lets you identify with them and when some of them do make mistakes it's not like a dumb person mistake to move the plot forward they explain how this might have happened these stressed scientists, physicists, astronauts, whatever they might be, making mistakes because of stress. Uh, I did think, however, I do like that part. But the one thing I thought is they didn't really flesh out these characters to where you... like. The note I put is uh, they they don't give you enough to care about or even give you... Like in some movies, they'll say, okay, here's your funny guy. Here's your leader. Here They'll give him these kind of cliche roles to play and give him these specific personalities. I'm not sure that even they were allowed to have personalities to trick us into liking them. The movie, though, I mean, if you look at the exact premise of the movie, though, it, I don't think that's a necessary thing. You don't have to care for these characters. Their whole entire mission is to fly at the sun and shoot a giant bomb there. Right. And they even state in there that they are all expendable. We don't have to care about them. We just have to care about the story. Right, but if the story is essentially boiled down to what makes us human and the struggle to maintain that humanity, you kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Just a thought. That's <laughs> I, that's just one thing I noticed. Um, I did really like how I mean in your typical space movies, it's usually one of two things: bright white, very clean, very straight edged space stations, or like an alien, dirty, blue collar, grungy, apparently dripping wet in alien <laughs> spaceship. But this was different. This was kind of a mixture of like a practical space station not just bright white it had and they didn't shy away from using colors at all so it wasn't like this just weird void space station one interesting thing that i did want to note about the movie was that it 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 did a good job of getting a lot of aspects to be really realistic i mean obviously there's 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 quite a few things in here scientifically that wouldn't that made absolutely no friggin sense but they did go out of their way to make some points oddly realistic, like the spaceship design and everything. Yeah, and like I said, that I, anytime you give me a space movie, I love it. <laughs> and I did. Anytime? Eh, no. Unless they're like... Uh, He's excited to see it. Yes. Couldn't Star Wars be classified as a space movie? Exactly. I'm I, talking more like uh, semi-realistic sci-fi movies. It had people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyways, let's not get into that. Um, anybody have anything to say about the, the actual how it was the space station aspects? Uh, the spaceship looked really the cool. People, did you, McNeil? Did you believe that maybe maybe Johnny's right? Maybe you don't have to care about them because it's not really like he said they're all expendable. But I just felt like they didn't give you enough to to really like I said they didn't even try to trick us into caring. I'm kind of on the fence about I, I i agree with both of you because it th- when we first meet everybody it it was kind of like a throwback to alien where they're all like around the table yes, and having a meal and i I'm did like, notice that i'm like okay if they're gonna set the characters up and kind of introduce them in the same fashion i would have been okay with it but then they didn't do that um they kind of go into like uh kappa and mace don't really like each other um the but they never tell you why they hate each other. Yeah, I think they, it's like a, it's it, just it, an alpha male thing. People on the space station for years it's, together. It's not that they didn't like each other. It's just that um, Kappa accidentally denied Mace of something. He, I don't know yeah. how spoiler if we want to get well, here. Well, he I actually we're, we're denied going it. And I think spoilers, that's what so. whole that's what started that animosity. But that, it carries through the whole movie though, because then when they when they have to volunteer people to go out and fix that was, the spaceship kappa's yeah. like i not or uh, mace is like i volunteer kappa and kappa's like okay fine whatever yeah. but i'm like why is why is mace being such and a that's what yeah people, but then you see you, you see later on when they go into icarus one that he says that kappa is the one that gets the suit because he's the one that has to go back because he's the only one that can actually finish this mission the spaceship is called icarus by the way mace by the name by the way which is a great yeah. name yeah, it's such a very obvious, especially <laughs> when, yeah, like that was pretty on the nose. Especially yeah. like once you get through the whole movie and you see, oh, they fly too close to the sun and yeah. they all die. So Spoiler. Uh, we're talking about Mace. I think he was actually the only character that was allowed to be developed by whether that's part of the script or whether that's. Uh, I would disagree. The... I felt like Kappa was a little bit more developed. Kappa, Kappa, yes, okay, him and Kappa. But the thing I did, you mentioned the the scene in Alien where they're around the table, and what that does is establish in Alien, anyways, it established 
who's who and it established like who they are, what type of people they are. And it established a hierarchy, which I, in this movie, in Sunshine, we're told, here's your captain. Here's so-and-so, so-and-so. And I know they don't have like, you're in charge of you, you're in charge of you. But the captain felt like the weakest character, a terrible leader, of just an awful character, in my opinion. For I'm going to disagree with okay. that wholeheartedly. And I, why? Honestly, I felt he was the most decisive of any one of them. More than Mace? Mace was the only Mace, one willing Mace, to make the hard decisions. No, Mace was a hothead. The captain wasn't around by that point. Spoilers. <laughs> but... Mace was a hothead, and he was very, you know, vocal on his decisions. But the captain was the one that decided, ultimately, you know, this and this will happen. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, I didn't get that. Because even when the captain was around, and then the decision was ultimately left to Kappa to make a decision. on Basically, they come to a point where they have to make a decision. Go one way or go the other. And Mace's argument is saying, we have a mission. Let's complete that mission. Don't worry about going to see the original Icarus because there's this distress beacon. Ultimately, that was the right decision because he's the yep. only one thinking clearly enough to make the decision. Right or wrong doesn't make a leader, though. Right or yeah, but he's the only one saying being leader enough to say your feelings don't matter. <laughs> but uh, I right, I'm sorry, I'm speaking from a high horse here, but leadership you have to take into account all your advisors and they were right. The best person to make that decision was not Mace. I agree. But Mace was Mace's points on every part of it. were. He correct. was the only one to make the correct decision. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is ultimately what I'm getting at is he is the only one that based his decision solely in all of the decisions. Most of the decisions in this movie, you, it came down to either, logic or emotion and i think that was part of the director's choice of trying to explore that humanity and and that that's honestly one thing that i think it really highlights the first two halves of this movie is because of the fact that everything boils down to logic and emotion and you clearly see that struggle between these people and every decision they make is predicated by logical steps and thinking you can tell that they're scientists you can tell that they're logical thinkers It, it pits right or wrong Emotionally and, against right or wrong logically. And I think that's maybe why you think the captain was a weak person. Because he felt, to me, he felt like the most pensive and emotional. Even if he didn't show emotion, he felt to me as the most pensive and emotional one. The thinker. The guy that was willing to look at everything and mull it over first. I think probably the most emotional character, and I'm not even sure which which one it is. Uh, oh, Trey. I think Trey was probably the most emotional character because he's the one uh, where once oh, yeah. once uh, once Kappa decides to make this decision to go try and get um, the Icarus One to have a second chance of throwing a bomb into the sun, which is just a silly premise <laughs> to a movie. Um, Trey goofs up and he does something like he doesn't recalibrate the shields and then the ship takes a lot of damage and it weighs on him for the rest of the movie. And it seems like he's the only one, to me anyway, who really displayed any kind of emotion because everybody else is like, we got to go do the mission. Yeah, but we could also go do this other thing. And then Trey is like, man, I screwed up, you guys, and I feel really bad about this. And it just keeps like he slowly declines until eventually, spoilers, he ends up killing himself because of it. Honestly, I love the part where 
Trey, he, you you can tell he made the decision. He even claims he made it or made the mistake, and um, the way he acts, the reaction to that, that that's, was that's what I was talking by about far earlier, some of the best where, acting I've seen in that movie. Where he acknowledges, I mean, he's running. He says what what something like he's got numbers and velocities and all of this going through his head, and he f- humanly forgets the most obvious thing adjust the shields the deflectors of the it's it's just so, yeah one little thing and yeah. the entire mission yep. just goes um, oh gosh uh, excuse uh, me that's ooh. one of the seven words we <laughs> yeah. can't say it's on the list <laughs> wow i'd have to agree oh, with um uh, mcneil that he was the only one that actually showed some emotion and i think i read on this movie that uh the director actually gave every one of these characters a biography of what they were supposed to be and they were going to go through it and then in the end uh, the director Danny Boyle decided that he would go away from giving letting them show who their characters were and you were talking about Trey actually killing himself Um, I think that's what they try to get you to believe but in my eyes I believe it, it was Pinbaker that actually killed him okay let's talk about that because that's where the movie gets weird. Before, uh, can we talk about uh, just one more character to talk about? Because I want to get into this. I, as much as you say Kappa was one of the only characters that was developed, I really did not like that character. He seems like the last person you would ever want to send into space on a life or death mission. For the, he seems like an outsider seems like an outcast emotionally unstable unable to make decisions that need to be made i mean i don't know about you but he seemed to fit the bill for most of the i think he was supposed to play that outsider kind of i know he's supposed to what i'm saying is when you're assembling a super team to save the world there's got to be like a psyche valve going on. <laughs> I agree with you that he was my least favorite character, but for the exact opposite reason, I felt like he was kind of a Mary Sue and that he could just do everything and he can solve any problem that they run into. Well, because he he was smart enough to, to think outside the box and get out of situations that normally, I guess you wouldn't think of a way to get out of. Uh, like the where he got into the suit and he used the torch to put a hole into there so that the pressure blew out the door so he can anyways long story short he used his engineering physicist brain to get out of situations i just think it's i, I don't know i felt like he was just kind of you make the comment though that he he felt like he he's not the kind of guy you'd want to send but you got to remember though this is after you know many dozen odd months in space yeah how is okay, his so psyche degraded him mentally yeah. I mean, and the, f- the fact that they just found out they can no longer communicate with Earth for God knows how long, it's... In this movie, don't they say that Kappa was the one who came up with the design of the bomb to send to him? I don't think he... I don't know if he's the one that came up, but he's the one that knows how... Out of the eight or so people... Yeah, out of the, the entire ship, crew, he's the only one that knows how to work it. Which is a flaw in the plan, again, because what if something happens? I guess him and the spaceship... Right? The spaceship knows how to do it, I think they said. Yes. <laughs> I can't even... What's the spaceship's name? I can't even remember that. Icarus 2? I don't know what the... Are you talking yeah, about the... They, they just addressed they just it as Icarus. AI? Okay, yeah. okay. I didn't know if they had a cool spaceship name like all sci-fi movies do. No. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, that just that's one thing that bugged me. If you had an AI 
as powerful as was on these Icarus one and two, how, how, why do you have to send an entire crew? Couldn't you just pre-program it to solve the problems as occurred? You'd be able to save so much weight and space. Sorry, I'm nitpicking the science here, but there's a I lot mean, of well, nitpicking there, I could you, do. I, I, I don't know if we really want to go that deep into this because you could pick, like, the one part when Trey messed up and it's like, oh, Icarus knew it was a problem but didn't try to fix it until after things got screwed up. But then like, you wouldn't s- you think that if when you input the numbers, the super smart computer would say, hey, wait a minute, we should do the obvious thing. But then you see Not when they are outside, uh, the computer fixes itself right away. Yep, because plot. Yeah, and like I said, <laughs> the science was more of a plot device than an actual piece of scientific knowledge. There's a, there's a very there's a lot of pseudoscience in this movie, and if that's which I'm completely your, fine with. Yeah, well, if if it's one of your nitpicky things, and you may not like the movie as much, but it's easy to overlook. It really is. Yeah. Um, the one thing, I, and I know you touched on that they're like mentally and physically exhausted. But I, I get annoyed in these sci-fi movies when this supposedly team of super scientists, when things go wrong, they all act dumb. <laughs> How so? Uh, like when the initial, and I know it's because they're physically and mentally exhausted, they've all got these obsessions, but when there's a fire in their O2 chamber whatever with the plants and the plant lady's like i'm gonna go run into the fire to save these plants like what was she thinking they were her only friends (laughs) they were trying really hard to get a cool looking shot i i just mean there were some points where i just groaned and like this is these are supposed this is our super team to save the world it's and I, I know I know that why that would you know bother you but yeah it's it comes down to that whole she's dedicated how long to making sure that place is up and running every like her entire last what probably we're gonna assume two years was put into effort into that well I guess little chamber. yeah you're right and I guess that's the point of the movie logic versus emotion every decision I agreed with the logical side of it maybe that's just how I think maybe some others think. Yeah, it's the, with the humanity. And, and that's what it is. It shows her humanity. It shows her breaking yeah. down at that point. And then when she makes that discovery later, you know, you remember how happy she is at that point? It's just, it, it really highlights the emotion and logic and just humanity of everyone on that ship. Okay, so then the last third of the movie. there uh, A situation arises where they dock with Icarus, the first Icarus mission. They find this empty ship. They're called Icarus 1 and 2. It's not that difficult. <laughs> I said the first Icarus. It's, <laughs> it's called Icarus and Icarus 2. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so they dock with Icarus. They see that everybody has died. Uh, there's another situation that arises. Two people end up dying, blah, blah, blah. They've got five people left on the ship five people left on the ship one of them being trey who is sedated because of suicidal tendencies then there's a decision to make do we kill trey because now we've only got enough oxygen for four and that was one of my least favorite scenes in the movie because of the whole logic versus humanity thing at that point you think they're past humanity they know the missions first they're probably more than likely they are all going to die. There's really, at this point in the movie, they know that. 
So they have this roundtable discussion. Do we kill a suicidal man to be able to have enough oxygen to complete the mission? Three of them, without a second thought, say, kill him. We're putting the rest of humanity, the rest of the world ahead of one person. One of them falters, admits to knowing the arguments for killing him, admits to knowing the logical choice, and says, I'm not making that choice. That bugged the crap out of me. And that's the beauty of that scene. That scene is so beautiful because of that. It shows how powerful your values, your morals can be. You know, something you were raised to believe and think is true. Then that that's the beauty of this movie. It, it really subtly does this. It, it may piss you off and annoy the crap out of you. It does because it's, it's so very <laughs> obvious what needs to be done. I think, I think that's why I liked Mace's character the most in this. Because right at the beginning, he's like, I'll do it. I'll, I will do this. It's it's us, or it's, it's either kill him and save the rest of the world, and or don't kill him and we all fail. I, yeah, and like I said, I know that this movie is humanity versus logic. What's the right thing to do as a person? What's the right thing to do for the good of the common cause? But that did, it bugged me. But we can move on from that because we've got to discuss let's, this last. Let's talk about Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so they end up, Trey kills himself anyway, so there's their oxygen problem solved. But then the computer, only when asked, tells them. <laughs> <laughs> a, a glaring flaw in the code, by the way. <laughs> tells them that there is still a fifth person and they're not going to make it. She doesn't bother to bring it up at any other point. Like, hey, guys. You're not going to make it. Good thing you asked in time. <laughs> so then there's this fifth person. It turns out it's uh, the commander of Icarus 1, uh, Pinbacker, I believe his name is. And he, I don't know. I never Pin saw Baker. him in the Pinbacker, Pin whatever it is. So we, and he's like this weird, uh, he's been alone on Icarus for six years, something like that. He's very badly sunburned. Yes. Very bad. And he's got this idea that God has chosen him to stop them from doing this because who are they to say when the end is because that's God's decision, blah, blah, blah. So we get this weird, like, horror sci-fi now. It goes from this this interesting psychological thing to becoming a very... Discount Alien. Yeah, basically it becomes a very just horror movie. Uh, it tries to be a horror movie, and it just doesn't succeed in that part. In my <laughs> that's that's my notes here. Uh, now it's a horror movie and not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause, okay, so the thing that they did with this character is, first of all, there were so many issues when – I don't know why they decided to do this because, like, you got him alone on the ship for seven years. How is he still alive? Uh how does he that that I did think of, and that's easily easy enough to explain because everything on Icarus was still working. He had it wasn't though. Everything was shut down when they got there. They had to reboot like the whole ship. They had uh, oxygen. They had oxygen, they had but that was oxygen. it. I assume that they probably have an obvious heat source from the sun. You don't need to have like, like where, a heating system. Where are you getting it. food? Like one person, well, you'd think no. seven years he would use up all their food. They supplies. did mention they, they that. They did mention that. They said that. they had enough for three years for like eight people, and therefore one person. One person. They also turns on the water when they walk into Icarus One, and he says that it is working. 
That's yeah. That's so, and they say that every uh, every system is essentially working. It, there was no reason for it to have not completed its mission. Is what they said. Like the logic was on point. They said pretty much the only thing that the reason Icarus One was not a good ship was because the mainframe for flight was disabled or destroyed. And it or was sabotaged by Pinbaker. We right. find out later. And then and then uh, he blows out the airlock, I guess, and sneaks onto the other ship, and he's out of focus the whole time. That was the one. I might not have had such a problem with that drastic change in tone if they had not changed the way everything was filmed, changed the way the feel of the movie. It, it became really disjointed and choppy in these like super fast, quick cuts of like in these flashes of different things, blurry scenes because they would never could never show the guy other than through these blurry things. So that I think was the biggest problem. Is it changed? Yeah, you never. I don't think you even see the guy what he looks like until like the last five or ten minutes of the movie, and it. it I don't think they ever show him. They just it's always through a blurt. I get what they were trying to do. They didn't want to show you these, the the evil character quotations. Well, and maybe it. And I was trying to think of a reason they were doing. It could be simply that if they show him, it gets it. R rating rather than PG thirteen possibly, and they wanted to avoid that. Or, or like the only thing that I could think of is like maybe budget problems, so they wanted to show less of him Uh, again in the throwback to Alien. Okay, and and like that whole last third of the movie felt like discount Alien because you've got this monster that you can't really see, and it's kind of skulking around this ship and killing everybody one by one. But in Alien, you couldn't see it because it never really revealed itself. And this one, it was in plain sight, and they're just like, uh, let's blur the camera, so then you can't see it. <laughs> so I don't, it, it just felt completely out of place to me. Yep. It, it, it really does kind of ruin the, the moment for you. It takes you completely out of it, and you're remembering yourself, man, this is just a movie. Or it's, you know what I mean? It, yep. And then, you, and then you get to this part where they're, like, inside the bomb, and... It it's kind of like a cube, uh, floating inside of a larger yep. enclosed area. So it's and essentially what it is is a cube. The and they said it's got the mass of this uh, like a city the size of Manhattan. They said yeah. And so you, apparently it generates its own gravity. Th- see, and that's what I was trying to figure out because they're standing on top of it, right? And he the the monster guy drops Kappa. And so he's sliding down the side, and then all of a sudden he's just standing on the side. Which I tried to explain by it creates its own gravity, so obviously it would be pulled to the center by all sides. But why would he initially slide exactly. down? So I don't know. If if pseudoscience, pseudoscience. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say one thing right now. The gravity in this movie made no sense. No matter even on the spaceship itself, it made no sense. The only part that made sense was when they were outside the ship itself. Only part that gravity made sense in. So just ignore the gravity. Take it for what it is. And then you were talking about being inside the cube. One of the problems I had with it, uh when Kappa finally finishes the mission, like I'm assuming it's the sun takes over and the bomb takes over. So he's standing in half the bomb and half the sun and he's just staring at the sun. It's just, I did not like that at all. It was just a weird scene that just closed out yeah. a one-third of a weird movie. I agree, because on the ship, they're like, uh, don't open that sun window too much, whatever. The, they had this viewing room where you could basically, how much strength of the sun you could alter that. 
So they're like, oh, you can only see 2% for 30 seconds of the power of the sun or else you'll go blind and then apparently it'll burn you terribly and create a monster guy. <laughs> but then he's literally in the sun right next to it, staring into it, and it's just weird. I think that was the movie's attempt at like, trying to be deep. Well, and, and I don't know if work. maybe that it was the newly kinda, created yeah. star, but still, to, come on. <laughs> I, I think it just kind of came off as confusing. I, I think that's yeah. a big problem with the ending. You just... You understand what's happening, but except for that part, like what space, everything's just going crazy. Maybe the guys are just going crazy, and that's what they're trying to get at. This guy's just going crazy. And then they sum it up with a scene. I hated this one too. <laughs> of like children building snowmen after the beginning of the movie. Yep. Okay, so I was right with my uh Science. The sun does get hotter when it dies. I I mentioned that earlier. So apparently in the movie they say that the Earth was thrown into some kind of solar ice age, but everybody's just I outside. I, miss, I guess I missed that part. <laughs> so they're all outside, like building snowmen, and the mom's like, "Time to go, kids!" And then it just gets brighter. Yeah, like she, she just happens to know that the sun just got brighter. <laughs> so I don't know. It clearly showed the shade going away. Yeah, I mean brighter. With a goofy narration of Kappa's message home from yeah. the beginning of the movie. We're like, oh, if it's a particularly beautiful day, you know we made it. But, I mean, but now that we've kind of harshly, you know, scrutinized this movie, there's something I really want to just Go bring ahead. out and have bring us talk us back about. back to the good points of this <laughs> movie. <laughs> the visual and musical elements of this. My God, were they amazing. Like, the the visual aspects of this movie... I they're probably better than movies I've seen that have come out recently, and this movie's st- almost ten points. years old. Yeah, at points. In, at, I think at almost every point, except okay, until that last third. Minus but, yeah. minus the blurry vision on the monster guy. Everything else, like the space shots, are beautiful. The sun shots, beautiful. Even even the way when it starts to get to be a horrific movie, they start you know filtering in shots of people's faces. I had to like go back and do frame by I frame. I did. I did frame by frame I, as well. I was. Question myself, what the Apparently heck am I seeing? Apparently, it's the crew of Icarus yeah, from, it's, their, from their uh, it's shot cutouts with of the, the picture Hawaiian of Icarus one. Their yeah. they, I don't get why they put that in the movie. Uh, I don't know. Why either. not? Because <laughs> it just makes you go, like, what? It makes what? you pause it and go frame by frame yeah. for two minutes I, trying to see it like it's like the, fir- the first time that I saw it happen, I was like, maybe, maybe it's just a glitch in the video. Because, like, I was watching it on my computer, so I was like, maybe my computer did something funny. But I think that the last third seemed glitchy anyways. Like, there were parts where it would just kind of freeze for a second and then continue, and then... Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think there actually is a good explanation for it, because when you look... When they when they go into the Icarus 1, it's covered in dust, right? And the entire movie, they're making the point that we're nothing but stardust. Yeah. And so if you think about it, maybe all that dust that's floating around is the dust of the crew. And uh, as they decompose, to, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I think, think he even mentions that in yeah. the movie. They just outright say like, "Dust is it's all human skin." Like, yeah, I, I think he says like eighty three percent of all human or dust is human skin or something. But they did say that, but there's like eight people makes a half inch covering of dust on an entire space station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was an absurd amount of dust for sure. But anyways, um, I do agree though. Visually, it was the music I did love uh, for most of it until. Again, it's just that whole ha- last third seemed completely yep. different because even the music and it became like this weird thriller horror movie music. Yeah, yep. The the music was definitely at its best when they're outside the ship trying to fix the solar panels. 
Um, and then it, everything after that point goes downhill. Like everything about the movie goes downhill. But the, the visuals were okay. There was way too much orange, like way too much orange. Everything was orange in the. Well, in, they're flying. I'm pretty sure sun. that was meant to be like that. Well, though. and I get it, but like the the first act of your movie, everything is orange, and then the second act of your movie there's like a lot of darker colors you got like some blues uh there's a little bit of greens in there and then in the third act it's all orange again i, don't know. I think there's just, just throw that third act out when you were <laughs> there was <laughs> just a, the there's just a of lot it. of orange and like i i get it because the sun whatever but like uh, everything because like they have that whole viewing room and it's just everything was orange and it was kind of painful to look at like at the very beginning when it's uh, it's meant to be painful to look at because you're looking into the sun. It's not but, supposed to be pleasant. But they but they were all like, oh yeah, the sun. This is so cool. Everybody, let's look at the sun. And I'm and the everything in that well, room no, no, is no, just they, bright the, orange. The one guy, uh, Searle, Surly, Searle, I think his name was, was like an advocate for the sun room, and he uh, started to become like this weird sunburn because he had this obsession with. I uh, loved that effect, how you could slowly yeah. see him like he had this weird peeling, obsession. Yeah, talking about how the sunlight just becomes this like enveloping presence, and you become part of it. And he became obsessed, and maybe that's their way of kind of explaining what may have happened mentally with Pim Baker. Maybe he would have turned into another monster person. Right. But, I think. I think he was. He came up to me as kind of being like the psychologist of the group where he was like, I think that that was literally his job. I he think, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, he talks to Mace about the sun. So I think that's kind of what he was trying to say, that it actually does help. OK, so uh, does anybody have any other points of the movie to talk about? Or are we ready to rate it? I'm good. OK, <laughs> well, let's start with Johnny then. Go ahead and rate it. I want to say just minus that that third, that last third, my God, it would have been such a better movie. But I think it, even with that last third added in, I think it easily gets an eight and a half in my book just because the way the visuals come together to paint this, paint this imagery for you. It just, it's beautiful to look at. The music, it just, it, I'm looking for the word here. I cannot think of it. My mind's blanking. The way the music just kind of adds to the feeling of the scene, it creates this tenseness yeah. and it maybe enhances. Enhances, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, because that's exactly what I thought. Because it's one of these we we talk about it a lot where you don't necessarily notice the music because it plays so well with what's going on. Yeah, and that's where I thought in that third, you're like, gosh, like it just feels when you're supposed to be feeling triumphant, the music's triumphant. When it's supposed to be tense, it's tense. It just really adds to every scene, enhances every scene. And then the way the humanity was shown, yeah, it's easily an 8.5. It's a great play on human emotions and the way people would act. Okay. Go, McNeil. I'm not giving it nearly that high of a score. Which is uh, fine. That's, <laughs> that's why we have these reviews. Yeah, that's true. I'm giving this movie a 6.5. Um, the, the last act of the movie just completely ruins it. Like, I, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting the glare from Johnny. The If the whole... The, the first two acts of the movie were great. There were a few things that I didn't like, like the overuse of the color orange. But overall, like, it would have been a really good movie had it kept that tone all the way through. But just, it was such a drastic shift with that third act. I can't, I can't give it any higher than a 6.5. Steve, go ahead. 
I I've seen this movie. I think this is my third time seeing this. I enjoy the movie a lot. I think it's very pleasing to watch with the cinematography and the sound. But I think the the third half or third the last third of the movie, sorry, is kind of I don't say it ruins it, but it kind of throws it off a little bit. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, so we have eight and a half, six and a half. We have your seven. And I actually, I, I just kind of, I'm thinking about this more and I may have just changed my rating on the fly here because I can excuse the faulty science because I'm, I I don't know how to ignite a dying sun and whether that's even how a dying sun would act. Who knows? I can excuse that part of it. I can excuse what I thought were dumb decisions because I understand why those decisions were made and what they were trying to portray I cannot excuse that last third of the movie. <laughs> Rightly so. Because this movie might have been one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever because it was a sci-fi movie that kept you engaged. It had enough action to make it exciting, but enough, even if it was pseudoscience, to keep you interested in yeah, it, what was comes, going on. it comes damn close, and there's just enough pseudoscience to keep you If that interested. third act, that last third, had followed through, it might have been near the eight and a half, maybe even higher. But I have to give this... I, I'm going to give it a seven. It's a solid seven because of how much I really did like the first two-thirds of the movie. I just want you all to know you're all dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dead like the much. crew of Icarus. <laughs> so we're uh, crunched from the numbers here. <laughs> she get dead like air. De- Jeopardy theme. We've got 7.375, which is our final score, which is right on with what IMDb says at 7.3. Um, 73% of the audience agreed that it was uh, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. They gave it an average of three and a half out of five, so a seven out of five or a seven out of ten was their average score. Six point eight out of ten was an average critic score. So we're pretty close to what they thought. Now you see, this kind of makes me wonder if anyone, if maybe if you have a bigger background in things, you know, sciency and whatnot, if you find this movie to be better. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking because I know you're. I know. I'm, I think I have the most sciency probably background here, and I easily I, I rated it the highest. Me. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and like I said, even the science aspect, I don't. I wouldn't say really even played into it because I don't know enough yeah, to argue was, against it. So I just have and, to and, kinda, and I, mean. I accept it, it, it as part of the story. Well. So, but that last third, man. Ugh. You know, if you get the chance, shoot us an email. Let us know if you liked it and if the science thing actually helped out. Also, uh, we've got. Oh, jeez. I'll do my best with this. Send us a tweet at nothing real, R E E L. Send us an email saying whether you agree or disagree, what your score might be. Send us an email for movies you want us to reveal. It's lethargicmedia at gmail.com. Please send us an email. Send us something to review. If you do send us an email, send us a movie that you want to be reviewed. One of us, two of us, however many, we will review it. We'll get it put on our podcast. We'll tell you what we think, and then you can tell us how much you hate us. Uh, go we to love Facebook. that part the most. Uh, Facebook is the full name. Nothing but real reviews and more is our Facebook name. So rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, like us on Facebook. Send us messages there. 
again, I don't deal with any of the social media. <laughs> Somebody will see it. We've got a few of us on, on top of that. So, Yes, uh, if, if you want to send us your hate directly, uh, do it via Facebook and Twitter. Yep. We don't mind. Tell us how dumb we are. Tell us how our view is completely wrong. Yeah, t- tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we can do better with, um, because we, we're we definitely not... Tell us to fire McNeil. Yeah, Shut I up, mean, uh, if we get 10 people telling us to get rid of McNeil in the next day, we'll do it. It won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send my email. Yep, I'm sending nine of them, so there we go. So we will go on and talk about our pick of the week for next week, which is... Which is Steve's pick. Which is Shane's pick, actually. Steve's telling us Shane's pick. Okay. He he was not here this week, obviously. Will he be here next week? He's, Do we know for sure? He told me he okay. will be here All next right. week, and he wanted me to let everybody know what his movie pick was, which is funny, because Aaron last week had talked about uh, Shane's gem of the week, which happened to oh. be Bone Tomahawk, which has Kurt Russell in it. Um, this movie also has Kurt Russell in it, and it is called The Art of the Steel. Okay. It says Crunch is, Cal- is it a, Is it like a dumb play on words, steel, S-T-E-E? It says... Like the Shaquille O'Neal movie. <laughs> <laughs> is it, or is it like steel, like steel? Okay, okay. okay. So um, he said it's a buddy cop movie or a buddy crime. Um, it is on Netflix, so you can check that out. It says Crunch Calhoun, a semi-reformed oh. art thief agrees to get his old gang back together to pull off one last heist. This is my last job. Also, yeah, his name is Crunch. <laughs> right? Crunch Calhoun. <laughs> when did this movie come that out? That is what the year? best okay, name in the uh, world. 2013. Really? Comedy crime. Kurt Rush. It's got uh, Jay Bruchel, Bruchel, however you say that. It actually has uh, 2013 and a couple name big names Crunch. in it. Barrichell. Okay. Uh, Barrichell. And the main guy's Matt, name is Crunch. Matt Dillon and a couple other people in there. Uh, no, I did talk to Shane. He said he has a rotating shift. He's a popo officer. Oh, dear <laughs> Lord. So real. Uh, but no, he did say he, he does rotate his schedule, so he will be here for sure next week. So if he's not, he's officially kicked out. So yay. Oh. Right. Unless you guys send us emails telling us you really <laughs> want him in. Why the F is Shane here? Right. We really He's need that. All right. So uh, that's a wrap. We had 7.375 is our score for Sunshine. I say it's worth watching. Uh, Just turn you... turn it off about two-thirds of the way through the movie. No, see it it's through. A, it's, see it, it through. Even uh, with the last third, it's still a shining example of a good sci-fi movie. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah, watch it for sure. That was a sunshine joke, yes. Yeah. We just tried to get right past it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I'll take care of it myself. Uh, tell your friends. Let's go. But inconspicuously. Through the window. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Okay, that's it. Where are you guys? I'm going home. Game over, man. Game over. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Good night and good luck. Thanks for listening to another episode of Nothing But Real Reviews and More. Remember to like us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe and rate on iTunes. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.